Well, good morning, church. Uh, You can do better than that. There's a lot more of you here. Good morning, church. Man, we are glad that you are here this morning. We're going to begin a brand new series today called Winning, Getting Game Ready. And as I began preparing the series several weeks ago, I, I was reminded of something in my own life, and I'd like to know how many of you can kind of relate to me. How many of you would say that you are somewhat or extremely competitive? Can I see your hands? Okay, how many of you have a spouse that didn't raise their hand that you'd say they're very competitive? Okay, great, great. So, so I'm very competitive. I, I, love, I love watching things where there's competition involved. In fact, one of my favorite things to do, don't stone me, but one of my favorite things to watch is I love watching UFC fighting. I just love it. I don't want to ever do it because I don't want to get punched in the face at all, but I love watching it. But one of my favorite parts of UFC fighting is when they walk out, right? When they're coming out of the tunnel and they're playing that music, they have these walkout songs that they listen to and they kind of play. And I guess the, the, kind of the, the idea behind the song is I want my opponent to be intimidated by my walkout song. So if you hear me on this song, you're going to go, ooh, I'm scared of them. Maybe I won't win the fight. So I thought about, since I'm so competitive, what would be my walkout song? So if I was going to walk out in a UFC fight, which I never do, what would be my walkout song? So I spent way too much time this week thinking about it. And so I want you to know, here's what my walkout song would be. Go ahead. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Yeah, I think that would be another great song, right? Right? That's a great song. And so that would be my, let's hear it one more time. Can we do it one more time? I, I don't think everybody heard that. All I do is win, win, there you go. Win, no matter what. That is a great walkout song, right? And so if you saw me, maybe I should walk up on the stage with that. I'm not sure, but, but I love that song, right? Because that would be a great one. But here's the reality, the reason I kind of mentioned that is because when you think about competition, when you think about all those kinds of things, you know, most of us are competitive. I, I think, you know, when I was, when I was uh, in my 20s and 30s, I played church league softball. And, and, you know, we did before every game, we got together and we prayed. And I can remember still the, the, the encouragement I gave the guys as we took the field. And I would always say three things. Number one. Honor Christ in all that we do. Number two, have fun. And number three, losing is not an option. So that's how I would always end with that one because I'm competitive. I think my dad instilled that in me because my dad played college basketball. And so at my house, we always like to play horse. Do you all know what horse is? Some of you call it pig, but it's where you shoot. And if you make it, then you have to follow that shot. If you miss it, you get a letter. And if you spell horse, you're out, right? And so my dad played college basketball. So my dad and I would play. And about the time I could, I could beat my dad right-handed, my dad would switch to left-handed. My dad was ambidextrous, so he could shoot either-handed. So about the time I thought I was going to win, then he would start popping them with left hand. So I had to learn how to shoot left-handed. So the first day I beat my dad, it was like the greatest moment in my life because he didn't let me, and some of you are like, well, didn't your dad let you win? That was not my kind of dad right there. My dad never let me win anything. So when I won arm wrestling or I won playing horse, it was legit. So I am born and raised competitive like many, many of you. Now, the thing I've learned about my competitive spirit is this. I played football all the way through high school. What I learned was that the key to my success in football, the key to succeeding as an offensive lineman, maybe it wasn't success for the whole team, but it was success for me. The key to me having small victories in the middle of all that was making sure that I was game ready. See, when I played football, here's what you didn't do. You didn't show up Friday for the first time and get your pads and put them on and take the field. If you ever played football, was that how you played football? 
No, no, no. When does game ready start? It starts the previous spring, right? You start lifting weights and you start working out. You start doing running, whether it's wrestling, baseball, basketball. It always starts in the off season. And then when football season would come around, then you would go through a camp and you would go through two a days and you would keep lifting, keep working out. Then when season actually got here, then it was all about studying film. It was all about what am I, what am my opponents going to do? So when I took the field on a Friday night under the amazing lights, I knew exactly who I was blocking. I knew who I was going to block no matter what front they ran. I knew every play, what I was going to do. I knew the tendencies of the one that I was going to block so that I could set myself up to succeed on every single play. And if you played any sport, you know that's what you did too, right? And if you didn't do that, did you succeed? No, you didn't. Now, here's the reason that's important for us. Not to talk about my football career because that's my used to could days. But the point is this, is that I believe that same truth is true for us spiritually as well. I believe if we're going to win spiritually, if we're going to experience spiritual victories in our life, what I'm talking about is victories where we see God work through us and in us in powerful ways to bring people to him and to bring honor and glory to him and his kingdom. If we're going to win in life, if we're going to win in this game called life spiritually, we need to be game ready. If you want God to work in you and through you to make an impact on those that you come in contact with for his glory and for his kingdom, we need to be game ready. And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about some things that we need to put into our life to make sure that we are game ready. And so our journey this morning starts in the book of Psalms chapter one. So if you have your Bible, I'm asking you to turn there to Psalms one. And if you don't mind, would you all stand with me in honor of reading God's word? Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and yields its fruit into the season and its leaves do not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand the judgment nor sinners and the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the truth that we declared a moment ago, that you are faithful. And God, for some people today, that's the only message they needed this morning. Maybe they're going through some really difficult times. Maybe some situations have happened, and they just need to rest in the fact that they know that you're on your throne, that you are in control, and that you are always faithful, Lord. But I pray for us this morning as we jump into your word. Would you help us understand what it takes in our life to be game ready so that we can experience spiritual victories in our life where you work in us and through us to make an impact for your kingdom and your glory. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage, what we find out as we take the whole passage as a whole is this, is that if we're going to win, I, don't, I want you to understand what I mean when I say win all throughout the series. I'm not talking about selfish accolades. I'm talking about experiencing spiritual victories where God works in us and through us so that his kingdom and his glory is, is exalted everywhere we go. That's what I'm talking If you understand that, say, I got, I got you. I want you to know that this morning. But as we look at this passage, what we find out is that if we're going to experience spiritual victories, if we're going to be game ready, the first thing that kind of shapes our day today is that we need to understand that that starts by positioning ourselves to win. 
If we're going to experience victories, number one, the first thing we got to have in our lives is we've got to make sure that we position ourselves to win. How many of you uh, like to watch football games when the score is 49 to nothing and it's the last two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter? Anybody enjoy those? Really? Okay, so there's three of you that are a little bit odd this morning. There's three of you that enjoy it. How many of you kind of, even if you don't like the teams, you enjoy the game when there's 32 seconds left in the game, he's on the 10-yard line, and they're down by six points, a touchdown, and they can win the game. I don't care who the teams are, but I'm all into that. Anybody like that? You like, okay, much more of us like those, right? Now, why, why do we like them that way? Why do we like it that way? Because we realize the team that's got the ball, and they're like on the 10-yard line, they have positioned themselves to what? To win. They were come all the way down the field and the two-minute drill, and now they're positioned to win. And that's the same thing for us. If we are going to win spiritually and have spiritual victories in our life, we have got to position ourselves rightly to experience those spiritual victories. And let's talk about the positioning. Look at what he says in verse 1. He said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, blessed is the man is the idea of, of the one that is rightly positioned. The one that is rightly positioned. And he says here, who does not? The person that's rightly positioned to experience spiritual victories is a man who does some things, but also a person who doesn't do some things. And he starts with the things we shouldn't do. And he lists three things. The first thing he says, blessed is the man, or rightly positioned is the man, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, I, we're gonna, I want to unpack this for a moment because I think a lot of us struggle with this. The word walk here means to go, to pursue, or to chase after. That's what the walk means. It means that there's something that I want to I pursue this. I want to go after this. He says, who, who don't walk and the counsel, the word counsel just means advice. And he's talking about the kind of advice that people give us. That's where they give us their ideologies, their philosophies, their worldviews, their opinions, whatever they think. They, they kind of lay it on us. And then he says the walk in the, the, the counsel of the what? The wicked. Who are the wicked? The ungodly. Those who don't know Christ. Those who care nothing about Christ. And so basically what the psalmist is saying, blessed is the person, rightly positioned is the person to experience spiritual victories, to win for my kingdom, my glory, and my name, and my renown. Rightly positioned is the person who does not pursue the advice of the ungodly people. Now, I just want to tell you, I think we struggle with that. I think some of us here this morning have people in our lives who are not Christ followers, or people in our lives who say they're Christ followers, but their lives don't reflect that, and they have a voice into our lives. They have influence into our lives. And some of us, just quite honestly, as we go through this passage, you're going to have to wrestle with that. Because there's some of us at the end today, we're going to talk about who do you need to cut out? Which voices do you need to stop listening to? Because we all have different voices. We all have different people wanting us to do and to act and to behave a certain way. And what he says is, blessed is the man, rightly positions a person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not pursue the advice of the ungodly. Can I tell you what the worst part of this is? Many of you receive the advice of people who don't love Jesus, but the worst part is we walk in it. We do it. Some of you have pursued people who don't know Christ for marriage advice. Some of you pursued people who don't know Christ for relationship advice. 
Some of you have pursued people who don't know Christ for financial decisions. You've let these people influence and have a voice in your life. And then you look at your life and you wonder, why in the world do I always feel defeated? Why in the world do I feel like God is not using me, make a difference in my life, and nobody's being impacted for the kingdom of God in my life? When we back up and we wonder those things, well, here, I can tell you why. It's because you're walking in the counsel of the wicked. Because if we walk in the counsel of the wicked, are we ever going to make godly decisions? Come on, only one person knows the answer to that one. Are we going to make godly decisions? No. Listen, ungodly people are never going to lead us down a godly path. They're just not. You say, well, Doug, I don't believe it. Well, no, no, no. What you're thinking is an ungodly person can lead us down the path of good intentions. Well, can I tell you, hell is going to be filled full of people of good intentions. Well, I meant to do better. I tried to work harder. I went to church more. No, no, no. It's about relationship with Christ, isn't it? And I'm just telling you, if we're going to rightly position ourselves, he said, blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Then he says, or stand in the way of sinners. To stand means to be stationary, to be planted, or to be rooted. That's what that word means. To stand in the way. The word way means path, or road, or listen, or a direction of sinners. Sinners is a reference to those, you'll love this, for those that are on purpose people who rebel against God. On purpose rebellion towards God. That's the word for sinners there. Those who are on purpose, they just live the life the way they want to. They pursue what they want to pursue in life. They care nothing about anything but their own fleshly desires, and that's all they pursue. That's what the word sinners means here. And so what's the psalmist saying? He says, blessed are those who don't pursue the advice of the ungodly, but also blessed are those who are not rooted in a life of sin. See, these, if you think about it, there are people out there that the whole direction of their life is to live for self. Have you ever met somebody like that? They don't care about anybody or anything else. They don't care about the ways of God. They don't care about the, the God's guidance or direction for their life. All they simply care about is doing what I want. When I want it, when I need it, what I think, it's all about me. It's all about what I want to pursue. There's people like that, and that's a path that they're on. Hear me on this, church. This is the direction they're heading in their life. And he says, blessed are the person who are not rooted in living a life of sin. Something I want you to think about for a moment. And if you want a side reference to go read, which is a great example, Proverbs 7 is a perfect example of what I'm about to say. Where you find yourself today in your marriage in your walk with Christ, in your finances, in your relationships, as a direct reflection of the path that you are on. Did you hear me say that? Where you find yourself today in your relationships, your finances, your marriage, your parent, where, whatever you want to put out there, where you find yourself today is a direct reflection of the path that you've been on. These things aren't an event in your life. It's a path you've been headed down. And he said, blessed is the person who is not rooted in living a life, being on a path of only living for self. Can we be honest? Do some of us, are we driven by just living for self? Do we stop and consult, hey, God, what direction do you want me to go? God, hey, what, what guidance? God, I, I need your guidance here because I'm struggling. I'm, I've got some decisions ahead of me, and, and they're tough decisions. God, I, I need some help here. Do we stop and pause and pray and seek a holy God who's creator, who's in control, who is faithful, and say, I need your wisdom, or do we just pursue what we fleshly want? See, hear me on this. When we 
are rooted and living a life of only pleasing self, we're not going to experience spiritual victories. We're not going to see God work in and through us like he wants to. Then he mentions one more group. He says, walk in the counsel of wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. That word sit here, I love it. The word sit here in the Hebrew means to marry or to be bought into. He says, so sit means to be married to or to be bought into. He says the seat, the set and the seat. The seat is the idea of a place of dwelling. It's where I'm going to camp out. And then he says scoffers. Scoffers refers to those who mock God. So here's basically what he's saying. Blessed is the man who is not bought into an ungodly life that's driven to mock God or associate with those who live that kind of life. That's what he's talking about. Blessed is the man, blessed is the person who chooses to say, I'm, I'm not going to buy in to live an ungodly life that mocks God. And I know many of you in the room today, if I say, do you mock God? You go, I don't mock God. But don't we? You know, there's in, in the Ten Commandments, there's one of the commandments that says this. You should not take the Lord God your name in vain. Anybody remember that one? If you ever studied that, that phrase in the Hebrew... It doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean the cuss word that we all use that makes us all want to cringe. It's the idea that when you claim to be a follower of the Lord, or you claim to be a Christian, and your life doesn't reflect that, you are taking God's name in vain. Well, that's a game changer, isn't it? That when I say I love Jesus, and I want to follow Jesus, but I don't live like it and act like it, it's as if I'm taking God's name in vain. Which means I'm what? Mocking God. And so I want you to think about that for a moment. He says, listen, if you want to be rightly positioned to experience spiritual victories in your life, here's some things that you can't do. You cannot walk in the counsel of wicked. You can't seek the advice of the ungodly. You can't stand in the way of sinners. You can't be rooted in living a life of sin. And you can't sit in the seat of scoffers. You cannot allow yourself to be bought into a living an ungodly life that mocks God. Now, I want you to notice something real quick. This is a slippery slope, if you think about it. It starts with walking, it moves to standing, and then where does it end? Sitting. It starts with, I pursued the advice, I'm focused on the advice, I bought into the advice. And I'm just telling you, it is a slippery slope that many of us, all too, all too often and all too much, know exactly the path. That puts some, but what I want you to know this morning is if this is in our life, if we are doing these things, we will never, ever, ever experience those small eternal victories in our life where God works in us and through us to have an impact for his kingdom and his glory in our lives. But then he goes on to say, blesses the man who does not. And then he goes to this, blesses the man who does, verse two, who does delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates on it day and night. So he says, blessed is the man who doesn't do these things, and we've got that, but blessed is the person, rightly positioned is the person who does these things. And the first thing he says is who delights in the law of the Lord. That word delight just means to find joy in or to find satisfaction in. So I'm a processor, and so I'm trying to think of, okay, how, do, how does this word delight transfer to Doug's life? Yeah, what do I find joy in, satisfaction in? How can I make that real for me in my life? So I was praying on this a couple of weeks ago, and a word came to mind. And this is probably not a word for you that you're like, it won't resonate with you, but it does with me, this idea of delighting. I thought of the word 
delicious. Because I love food. Obviously, you can tell. I love food. So I was thinking delicious. Now, my favorite meal is Sonia's homemade tacos. It's my favorite meal. She takes these uh, corn shells. We put them in grease because that's super healthy to do. And we fix a bunch of them. And then we take ground beef. And she makes two or three pounds of ground beef. And, and we don't put that stupid taco seasoning. That's just gross. And so we actually have ground beef. And then we have a Rotel cheese dip. And she makes it. And it's perfect. And, and then I have picante sauce. Mild because I don't like medium. So mild, I put that on there. And then if we have some onions, I love onion because, you know, we've been married 28 years. Who cares? And so anyway, I, I fix these tacos. And I can just tell you, even I'm thinking about it, when I fix the taco and I fold it up and I take a bite, there's just like an, an explosion of flavor in my mouth in that moment. And I have great joy and I have great delight. And the more I eat, even when I'm full, guess what? Because it tastes so good, I want more, right? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay. there's some of you like, you're hungry now, right? Well, after we're done, we're going to the property. We'll have a hot dog for you. So not a taco, but a hot dog. But anyway, I mean, I just, when I think about our tacos, I just think about the eruption of that awesome flavor. In fact, I love to have tacos tonight, by the way, honey, in, in my mouth. And like, you know, I could eat two or three and be full, but 10's way better. Because <laughs> I just want more. Now hear me. That's what I think of when I think of delighting in the law of the Lord. That when I put God's word in my life, it's an eruption of flavor of who God is and what he's about. And the more I get in this, and the more I get this, the more I want it. You know, Jesus said this way, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you hungering for God's word? Are you thirsting for the word of God? In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, he says, man does not live on the bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I mean, there's a delight that should happen, and the life of a believer says that God's word is delicious to me, that when I put it into my life, it erupts with flavor, and I want more and more and more. See, rightly positioned is the person who delights in the law of the Lord. And as a result of delighting in the law of the Lord, he says, and who meditates on it day and night. If I delight on it, like today, like for example, I just mentioned tacos, quite honestly. This is just sidebar. I'm going to think about them until Sonia fixes them. I'm going to think about that eruption of flavor. I'm going to think about the picante with the cheese sauce and the beef and how awesome that tastes when it's hot in my... I'm, I'm just thinking about that. Listen, if I'm delighting in the law of the Lord, if it's a rich taste in my mouth, and I want it more, that means I'm going to meditate on it day and night. That means I'm going to make God's Word an integral part of my life. It reminds me of who I am, who He is, and what He wants for me in my life. That when I'm going to take God's Word, I'm going to meditate on it because it's God's Word for my life. And when we read this book, listen, if you're ever wondering, what is God's will for my life? It is in here. Now, it doesn't have what college you're going to, students. It doesn't have who you're going to marry, young adults, but there is so much about God's will that's in here about who he is, what he wants, his character, his nature, his will. Is, it's in here. And the only way to find it is by meditating it on a day and night. And so just a quick question. Does that describe you? So it's like, I've never thought of God's word as being delicious, but isn't it? Come on, but isn't it? When I realize that I'm wretched and I'm broken but he loves me and accepts me and adopts me and calls me his own. Isn't that delicious to you? It should be. And I'm just saying, if we're going to be rightly positioned to experience spiritual victories in our life where God works in us and through us to make a difference for his kingdom and his glory, we have got to delight in the law of the Lord and we've got to meditate on it day and night.
Now, which one of these two are you? Are you the one who has the does nots? Or is this you? And you may say, Doug, well, if I, if I, if I choose to, to not do the first three things that you mentioned a while ago, there's some things going to have to change in my life. And so maybe you lack motivation. Well, to, if you lack motivation, let's go to the final point, And that's the result of our positioning. Look with me in verse 3. Look what he says in verse 3. Talking about the righteous. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and seeds, and it does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. He talks about the success of the righteous person. And here's what he says. They bloom where they're planted. The righteous person, the person who's rightly positioned themselves, that meditates on my word day and night, who delights in the law of the Lord, that person, they're going to bloom where they're planted. They're going to experience spiritual growth in their life. But not only that, he says, and they prosper in all that he does, meaning that they will produce fruit. They will be a person of impact for the kingdom of God. Can I just tell you, there, I sometimes look in my life and over the years of ministry, and I'm able to call out names of people that I truly feel like that they live their life delighting in the law of the Lord. They live their life meditating on God's word day and night. And can I tell you the success in their life is that God grew them exponentially in their faith, but knowing that God used them to make some of the best impact I've ever seen in my life. And you've met people like that too, haven't you? People that are so committed to the Lord and the impact they're making is so extravagant. And there's a part of you going, I want to be like that. Well, you can, but it depends on, are you going to meditate? Are you going to delight in this law? Are you going to do those other things? And he says here that the success of the righteous is they bloom where they're planted, they prosper in all that they do, they produce fruit, and they're a person of impact. Does that sound like you? But then he goes on, he says this, he talks about the loss of the wicked. Look in verse 4. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In other words, the wicked people who are trying to advise us, they're shallow in their beliefs. And ultimately, he says, they won't stand in a believer's judgment, meaning they won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Their way and then themselves will perish. So, which path do you want to go down? One of great success, spiritual victories, being a person of impact for the kingdom of God, or down a path that perishes, down a path of shallow beliefs and shallow convictions? Which path do you want to go down? Are you going down the path where you're living a life that's honoring and pleasing the Lord because, man, you are delighting in the law of the Lord? You love reading his word every day, and you're meditating on it day and night? Is that you, or are you listening to the counsel of the wicked? And, you know, you may, you may not even call it wicked. Some of you may not even realize you're listening to the wrong voices. But this morning, would you just admit that? Because my Bible still says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that bad company always corrupts good character. That if you're listening to the wrong people, hanging around the wrong people, it will always, always in the Greek, always means what? Always. always. It will always corrupt your character. So if you're a believer this morning, I just want to challenge you. For those of us who are believers who say, you know what, Doug? I want to be a person who experiences spiritual victories. I want to win, win, win no matter what. I want to win in life. 
And not for my own accolades, but I want to spiritually experience victories that will bring honor and glory to God. That I can be a person of impact where God works in me and through me for his kingdom and for his glory. If we're going to do that, we've got to decide we're going to quit following those wicked people. Some of you today, listen to me, you need to decide which voices you need to cut off this morning. Well, Doug, I don't know if I can have that conversation. You have to. You have to. Because you saw the path that will take you down, right? Is that where you want to end up? Some of you got to have some conversations with people. Maybe they've been friends for decades with you. Maybe they're co-workers with you. But you've got to decide, these are voices I'm not going to... Listen, the wrong voices will always take us down the wrong path because those voices don't speak to our value. They don't speak to our worth. They don't speak to God moving in our lives. Listen, you can have the wrong people in your life looking at you and telling you that you're, that you're not worth it, you're not valuable, but God says you are. And you've got to get rid of those voices in your life. But also... Maybe for some of us, it's not just about that. It's that we've got to deal with the sin that's in our life. If we want to be a person of impact, we've got to deal with the junk that's in there. And Joshua, they just defeated Jericho, this amazing city, fortified city. And then they decided to go into this little town called Ai. I mean, Podunk town, probably the size of Chuliota. And they go in there and they run scared. I mean, they're defeated. Do you know why they got defeated? Because of a guy named Achan. Achan didn't listen to God. Achan went into Jericho. Achan knew what God said. Achan decided to keep some of the stuff for himself. And because there was sin in the camp, Israel lost. And I'm just telling you, if there's sin in our camp, we're never going to experience spiritual victories. And so if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want to challenge you. Would you look, take a hard look at your life and go, what voices do I need to cut off? What sin do I need to deal with? And then would you make a commitment to delighting in his word? To viewing it as delicious? To meditating on it day and night? And then if you're here this morning and you never trusted Christ, can I tell you the spiritual victory I want you to experience this morning? And that's an eternal victory of knowing that when you leave this world, you're going to spend eternity with Christ in heaven forever. And the only way you can do that is by trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that and wanted to do it, I would love to talk to you about that. So right now, everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's all stand together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just say this. If you are a follower of Jesus... We too often have been like the first person mentioned in Scripture. We've listened to the advice of the wicked. We've rooted ourselves in sinful behavior. We've bought into the lies that have basically, quite frankly, mocked God. Would you just repent of that today? Would you just come to your heavenly Father and say, Lord, I've done those things, but I'm turning it over today. With your help and your strength of the Holy Spirit, I want to do a change today. I, Lord, I, I, I know there's some people I need to cut off in my life. Some voices that I need to stop speaking into my life. There's some sin that I need to deal with, Lord. Would you give me the strength to do that? If you're a believer, would you make that commitment this morning? Would you commit then also to delight and meditate on his word day and night? And if you don't know Christ today, the Bible says that there are two eternal realities. One in being with Christ forever in heaven. 
and one separated from Christ in a place called hell. And no one can make that decision for you. It's an eternal decision that you have to make. And maybe you've been battling that. Maybe you've been doubting it. Maybe you've got questions about that. But if you want to trust Jesus this morning, it's as simple as just saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've rebelled against you. But today I ask you to forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me and change me from the inside out. If you just prayed that, if you just said that, and it wasn't just my words, but the cry of your heart, your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. You now belong to him. And if you made that decision, or if you need to make it, please let us know. God, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for the truth that we were able to sing earlier about your faithfulness. And God, it's not just something we've realized now. It's something we can see from the beginning of time. Going all the way back to Abraham. And how faithful you are. But God, I pray for us right now. I pray that as believers, we would have a desire in us like Paul. Paul said that he ran the race to win the prize. God, I pray for every believer that we would have a desire within us to to win spiritually. To experience spiritual victories in our life where you are working in us and through us to make a difference and an impact for your kingdom and your glory. God, I pray we desire that. And if we desire that as believers, Lord, there's some things we got to lay down today. There's some people we can't let have a voice anymore. There's some sin that may have to be dealt with. And there's some commitments about your word and spending time in it that we need to make. God, will we do that today? God, would you just be in this moment? Would you just guide our hearts, guide our thoughts? And may we be faithful to respond to you as you've moved in us. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Real quickly. I know we've got junk up here. But maybe you just need to come and just pray. Say, Lord, i got the wrong voices. Would you give me the strength to cut those out? Or God, I've got some sin. Would you give me the strength to come? Or God, I've not made your word delicious as it is and should be in my life. I commit to changing that. Today, maybe you want to come. Maybe you need prayer. Pat and Will over here. Kelly Belcher's right over there. You just need somebody to pray for you. Or if you need to make a decision, however the Lord is leading this morning, will we be faithful just to come to our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I need you. I hope you can make that commitment as we continue to worship.